Welcome again to our midweek Bible study on the book of Hebrews. In this video, we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to dive deeper into the sacrifice that Jesus gave on our behalf. Because let's face it, whenever we have Christians today who are reading the Old Testament, oftentimes whenever we come to different parts of the law of Moses, perhaps we're trying to read through the Bible in a year or something like that, whenever we come to those passages, and we read about all these sacrifices, we wonder, God, why did you want all of those things? And kind of what's the purpose of those sacrifices? I believe here in the book of Hebrews, what we start to see is kind of the reasoning behind that. And also the, the benefit of how all of those sacrifices pointed toward the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, if you want to kind of keep this in mind, at least this, this kind of helps me, maybe it'll help you. Whenever you read about those sacrifices in the Old Testament, sometimes I kind of wonder about specifically why, you know, God wanted all like a certain order of everything exactly as he did. But, you know, that's God's wisdom, not mine. So I just submit to it. Uh, but an, one thing that I keep in mind is that every single one of those those sacrifices, what we can learn is every single one of those sacrifices, they tell us that it's okay to have a substitute in our place. Like we are the ones who really deserve these things, but you know, because of our sin, we're the ones that deserve these punishments, uh, but they are kind of carried over into uh, another. And in most cases, it would be that of an animal. Um, that's what we see kind of laying this foundation about Jesus Christ, because how could Jesus die for our sins if we're the ones that deserve death, which is kind of how we typically portray the story. We're the ones that deserve this death because of our sin. So how did Jesus' death, how did that carry over to us? It's because he was a substitute. He was a perfect substitute. And that's what we're going to look at in this chapter. So let's dive in together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So here in this chapter, what we see is about these these sacrifices and we find out here that this law it was only like a shadow um as i i love this illustration and i know that that you all who are part of our church and, and and everything you you know that i love the illustration of good and evil kind of that contrast of light and dark well here with shadows i think that we can see a lot of a lot of symbolism with that because when you look at a shadow it will tell you something about the the reality of it you know, whenever you uh, whenever you have some object and you shine a light on it and then you look at the shadow of that object, you can tell a lot about the actual object. But the shadow itself is different than the object itself. The object is what the substance is. The shadow is just kind of a, a picture. And it, yeah, it's an image that's similar and it can tell you some things about it, but it can't tell you everything about it. Another thing is with shadows, it's just kind of a 2D uh, object instead of like a 3D object. So if you've got a 3D object that's casting a shadow, you can't tell anything about the depth of it. You can only tell about the shadow that it's casting. That's kind of how the law is. It's a shadow. 
It tells you about the reality. It tells you about the substance in Jesus Christ. It tells you about the true sacrifice that, that God knew all along that he was going to be doing. But the law itself is this shadow. We see that God knew, and see, that's something that's so important to understand in the Old Testament is God knew that things were going to have to be changed. He knew that the blood of bulls and goats it was not going to be able to take away sins. That's why in verse 4 of this Hebrews 10, we find out that it is impossible for the blood of animals to take away sins. It just simply is impossible. They aren't an adequate sacrifice. Only the blood of Jesus Christ was going to do such a thing. And that's what this chapter is all about. And you might be thinking this is a similar topic of what we've covered. And I, perhaps I've said this too many times in this video series, but that's how the book of Hebrew works. Uh, he constantly will, will kind of tell us about a theme that he's going to really dive into and tell us more details about. And then he'll tell us more details about it. Then he'll go to another thing. Then he'll come back to something else. So he just keeps doing that. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it does might sound a little bit like a broken record. But when it comes down to it, all of this is very, very important. And here we see the importance of Jesus' sacrifice and how it is able and was able to take away our sins. Let's find out more because there's a lot more in this chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once again, we're finding out more about this, this sacrifice of Jesus. But we also find out from a quotation from the Old Testament, you know, that's why he's kind of verses uh, 5, 6, and 7. Um, those are all kind of these quotations from the Old Testament talking about what Jesus was going to do. And we see that it's elaborated on in verses 8, uh, 9, and 10, really, um, that we see that this, this quotation from the Old Testament, it was saying that sacrifices and offerings, all these things, it's not really what God wanted, even though he did describe them in the law. Like that's what verse eight says, that very last thing. It talks about how they were offered in accordance with the law. So God said to do it a certain way. But what he was really wanting was, was deeper than that. And here in this case, what, what uh, the text draws out is that it's a body prepared. Well, that body is the body of Jesus Christ. So I guess perhaps this is a, a good passage for us to keep in mind maybe the next time that we take a communion together and we take that bread that is a symbol of the body of Jesus Christ. That body was very important. We don't need to just kind of overlook that or just kind of gloss over it. Now, that was a very important part of the gospel message. So God didn't want these sacrifices. He didn't want these offerings, not in and of themselves. Uh, we, we sometimes kind of say that the Old Testament was all about these physical things. The New Testament is about the spiritual. However, I think that if you're really trying to find things, what you will find is the Old Testament had both physical and spiritual things. And in the New Testament, we still find physical and spiritual things in, in each of them. 
God is wanting something oftentimes very deeper than what we uh, are, are willing to look at on the surface. And if you continue to read the scriptures, you will continue to find those things out. Uh, we just tend to stress the spiritual of the New Testament and the physical of the Old Testament. Uh, but both of those things are, are found in both. And here in this passage, we see that that significance. We see that what really is this significance is Christ's body. And Christ's body was given once for all. That type of once for all is because it was this perfect sacrifice. And that's going to be something that we're going to see several times in this chapter. So don't don't get too, uh, you know, don't don't think, oh, well, we've already covered that. But we have. He covers that many times in the same chapter. So now we don't even see that the, the Hebrew writer is repeating himself throughout the book, but even throughout this chapter about this great sacrifice that Jesus gave in our place. Let's find out more about that sacrifice. Now we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, and we're going to see this contrast. Let's notice verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are uh, who are being made holy. So here with this sacrifice, that in this contrast, really, uh, we see a contrast of the Old Testament sacrifices with this perfect sacrifice found in Jesus Christ. In verse eleven, we find out that day after day, those priests in the Old Testament they had to constantly stand before God. They had to constantly perform their religious duties. But yet at the end of verse 11, we're also reminded those things, they could never take away sins. Does that mean they weren't important? Well, no, they were important. They were part of the law. They were still part of what God required, but they weren't able to, to take away sins. Only Christ's sacrifice was able to take away sins. And now we find in verse 12 that this high priest that we have now, this priest being Jesus Christ, he offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. And once he did that, then he was able to sit down at the right hand of God. All of this is so important because he was able to sit down at the right hand of God because he had already accomplished what he came here to do. What he came here to do was to provide a way uh, for, for us um, to, to not have to pay that penalty for our sins. He made a way and he gave us a way to follow him. And that's why we see this contrast here. This contrast, the Old Testament priest with this New Testament high priest of Jesus Christ. And of course, we see that this sacrifice is better. It was sacrificed once for all time, and it could take away sins. That's a huge difference. But let's see, because there's a lot of prophecies that talk about this. Let's continue on in this chapter. Now, verses 15 through 18. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sins no longer uh, is no longer necessary. So now here in this passage, in these verses, uh, what we find is this prophecy that was talked about, this prophecy that there's a new covenant coming. 
there's many times in which God talked about a new covenant that was going to be issued. And during the time of Hebrews, they were living in that time. They were seeing the new covenant being fulfilled, all these passages being fulfilled uh, in their hearing. We also find out at the end of this something that I wish we as Christians, let's face it, let me be honest, I wish that me personally, I would really remember verse 18 here, that our sins, where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. See, I so oftentimes kind of still try to sort of make up for, for where I'm lacking. And I really just kind of keep thinking, oh, well, there's something else that I have to do. And maybe that kind of is something that happens with you as well. But here in verse 18, we find out that, look, once our sins have been forgiven, they've been forgiven. We don't need to continue to offer up some sacrifice for sins. It's no longer necessary because it's already been accomplished. Remember what Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. That's because it was finished. It was taken care of. We no longer need to sacrifice for sins because there's already a sacrifice for sins. All we need to do is recognize it, accept it, and be able to move on. Speaking of which, let's continue because there's more in verse 19 and following. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. These verses are great verses that tell us about the, the great very many blessings that we have through Jesus's blood and how we can approach God's throne. Like what verse 19 says, that we can have this confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Being able to enter in the most holy place, that's something that most certainly the Gentiles couldn't do. That's something that just uh, regular Jewish men couldn't do under the old law. Uh, that's something that even an ordinary priest couldn't do. And let's also recognize this, that's something that the high priest only did once a year, and he had to bring the blood of some animal in with him. But yet here, for us as Christians, we can have confidence to be able to enter the most holy place. Every single one of us. It's kind of something that, that levels the playing field, so to speak. We all are the same in Jesus Christ in the way that we can all approach this most holy place. What would that do to our prayer life if we really recognize that we can have this confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice that we can pray to God like we do. And we are guaranteed an audience with him every single time because of this great plan that God has had for us, because of this blood of Jesus. Well, if these things are true, which of course we do believe that they are, but you know, if these things are true, then there's some things that it requires of us, that it kind of uh, really demands from us, such as in verse 22, 
these statements about let us do these different things. Well, what should we do because of that? Well, verse 22, let us draw near to God. That's important. That, that's almost something that just kind of should immediately just spark from what uh, this great blessing is in, in Jesus Christ. So let's draw near to God. What else? Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Unswervingly, you know, in a, in a straight line. Let, let's hold firm like that, completely firm, completely straight, not getting off to the right or to the left at all. Let's hold on to this hope that we profess because we know the one who, who promised these things, he's faithful. What else does it mean? Verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. When is the last time that you've considered that? You know, how can you help just kind of your fellow uh, human being, you know, your fellow Christian? How can you help one another spur on toward this love and the good deeds? How can we do that? Well, we need to be considerate of that. We need to really take some time and thinking about what we can do to help. One way that we can do, like what's stated in verse 25 is, we can, we can continue to meet as a church. Because that's why he's talking about, you know, let's not give up meeting together. Let us make it our habit to meet together. We need to be meeting together. And we need to be meeting together to encourage one another. And we need to be encouraging one another as what uh, the last part of this verse 25 says, all the more as you see the day approaching, this day of judgment. We're getting closer and closer every single day. So because we're getting closer and closer every single day, we need to be encouraging one another to remain faithful. We need to be standing side by side. We need to be meeting together. And I know that, you know, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of a little difficult at this time with, you know, having to, to, to have this social distance, as we call it. There's still ways to meet together. There's still ways to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We might need to maybe spend a little bit more time thinking about how to do these things and what it might look like now compared to what it looked like, you know, a few months ago. But yet we can still do it. We can still be faithful to these, these statements that are made. In fact, I would say that we must be faithful to these statements that are made here. We must continue to, to figure out and maybe find more creative ways than what we have in times past on how we can provide this encouragement during this time. It's still important, just as it always has been. There's also more about this sacrifice because up to this point, you know, we've looked at how great it is that the sacrifice of Jesus is, but let's also consider how serious of a thing it is. That's what the next few verses are gonna get into. And I think this is very, very powerful to consider. So let's take a look at the seriousness of the sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. We're going to first look at the seriousness kind of in how it was under the law of Moses, but contrast that with how serious it is today. Well, let's look at it. Verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot 
who is treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I think sometimes in our day and age, we don't focus as much on passages like this. You know, we, we like to hear, and we like to hear messages about how God is love, you know, God is light, all these great, you know, nice statements, which are true. However, we've got to realize the seriousness of this. You know, for, for each one of those things, because God is light, you know, that he exposes and gets rid of darkness. And because God is love, that also means that he's got some pretty strong emotions toward the things that go against love, doesn't he? Well, right here, we are reminded of the seriousness of our sins. Look, I believe this is very true for us and very important for us to realize in today's world. Verse 26 tells us that if we deliberately just keep on sinning, even after we have uh, you know, received the truth and know right and wrong, if we keep on sinning, and I think, let, let me also state this, I don't think this means like when you struggle with a sin. I believe what this is talking about is if you just deliberately keep on sinning, because I think that's why it says deliberately keep on sinning is because it's not something that you're struggling with it. And then every once in a while you give into that sin. Okay, that's a struggle. That's a battle. We get that. I don't believe that's what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about, you know what you should do and shouldn't do, and you just choose to do what you shouldn't do for whatever reason. If you deliberately just keep on sinning like that, then the statement is pretty clear that there is no sacrifice for sin left for you. Well, what about Jesus' blood? Doesn't that cover our sins? Well, yeah, it does. But not if you just keep on sinning. See, verse 26, part of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for, gave for us in our place requires us to, to receive it with a certain way, you know, and also follow the way of Jesus. It's really a slap in the face. It's actually even more than just a slap in the face. It's, it's spoken of in the scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, even as we've already looked at. It's spoken of as crucifying our Lord again if we just reject that sacrifice. No sacrifice for sins is left for us if we just keep on sinning. How serious is our sin? Uh, very serious. Extremely serious. It's a life or death situation right here. We also find out how important the sacrifice of Jesus is. Uh, whenever the, the statement is made here, that uh, verse 29, it goes into the law of Moses and, and how severe the punishment were there. But in verse 29, how much more severely do you think that we get it today? You know, whenever we, we know about the Son of God and what he's done for us, but if we just trample his message, trample his sacrifice, and just trample everything that God and Jesus Christ stands for, if we just trample that all under our foot, using the language that's used there in verse 29, how much more severely do you think that we deserve punishment then? I think the answer is, is pretty plain. And we also have this reminder in verse 31, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That doesn't need to scare us, okay? Because as long as we aren't these people, who deliberately keep on sinning, which I believe that we can, you know, make a, an actual effort, you know, a conscious effort to not be these people. 
then we don't have to worry about this dreadful thing falling into the hands of the living God. However, it still is very serious. It's a serious sacrifice for our sins. It's a, our, our sins themselves, they are serious because they, they bring judgment upon us. And we find out that it truly can be that it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Once again, this whole passage is kind of something that um, we oftentimes don't like to hear as much. We maybe not like to focus on these things as much. They typically don't make it into our short little devotionals, but yet they still are at the heart of what we believe. And they still need to be believed. And they still need to be taught. And they need to be heard. We need to listen to these messages even though they might make us feel uncomfortable at times. They really, uh, these types of messages are just to keep us on track, keep us recognizing how serious of a thing it is that we are involved in. It truly is very serious. It's not just a life or death thing. It is an eternal life or an eternal death thing. That is very, very important. Let's keep looking because there's more to this chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 35. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So we find out in these verses that the, the writer of Hebrews is, is encouraging his audience and telling them, look, remember those days that you had to endure? There still is this need for endurance. Remember how, you know, maybe your property and maybe your possessions were confiscated. You didn't worry about it because you knew that you had better. You had lasting possessions. Well, what he tells us in verse 35, what he tells them and what he tells us is, look, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. We've got to endure. Whatever type of, of hardship might come our way, whatever type of difficulties, whatever type of insult, whatever type of persecution, we need to recognize that there are better things that are promised to us. There's a better reward in the future, and that is a life with God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The final verses here of Hebrews 10 just continues on this need to endure. And now we see this need to persevere. What does that look like? Hebrews chapter 10 verses 36 through 39. Let's look at them. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And here at the, the end of this chapter, we see this, this need to endure, this need to persevere, this need to continue on. Because we know that if we continue on and if we are faithful to God, he is faithful to us. He is going to give us the things that he has promised. He does that time and time again. We see what he, what he wants. We know that he's coming back. We know that he's, he's going to put all things right because of that, that God is light. He's going to get rid of all darkness in the future. We see that. That means also the darkness that is within us as well. 
and we have this wonderful statement of confidence here at the end of this chapter. And that is found in verse 39, whenever we find out, look, we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. That's not who we belong to. That's not the group that we belong in. No, we belong to those who have faith and are saved. And if you want to know what that looks like about that group of people who have faith and are saved, check back next week and we're going to take a look at that because the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 goes into great examples of men and women of faith. And it tells us that we've got to continue this on so that that way we truly can be part of this group that belongs to those who have faith and are saved. That's the call. That's the challenge. That's the goal. Will you live up to it?